0: get started. It's Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and we are in Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. This is the song that Moses was talking about. We, when we were uh, going over 31 last week, we were talking about how he is uh, preparing. Uh, they're getting really, really close that time where they're going to be crossing over Jordan, and Moses has been informed that he can't go over the Jordan. He is going to die on this side, Jordan, and he is preparing the people so that they would be successful when they go into the land. Now, We were were talking last week about how Moses represents the law. Joshua represents Jesus and the new covenant. Joshua takes us over, but there's something that you really need to see in that picture. Because Moses has been told by God that when you die... The people are going to turn from what you have taught them. You're not going to be there to hold them accountable. They're going to turn from that, and they're going to go off and serve other gods. They're going to they're going to they're going to fall. They're going to mess up. And so we need to we need to consider that. You, you realize how many people put down the Old Testament, right? Uh, there are preachers from from years gone by, who would even tell you the Old Testament's not important, we're in the New Testament, don't worry about that Old Testament stuff. Well, that is very, very dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Sounds good. It sounds really good to a person who's a new believer, and they understand liberty in Christ and the New Testament, and it's all about, that's what we need to know, New Testament, New Testament, New Testament. But like Moses warning the people, if you forget all of the Old Testament, you, you are going to miss out on so much of God's ways. And you, it, you are going to, uh, you're going to mess up because you're not regarding it. And I think this is a picture of it. I think that Moses, trying to get the people to not deny everything that he has showed them, and he has wrote this uh, first five books, and so to prove that, all you have to do is look at Jesus on the, the road to Emmaus. Remember, there was two disciples that were not of the original they weren't of the eleven, that you could, it doesn't seem like it. And I have a feeling that these two disciples that were walking on the road, and Jesus shows up and starts walking with them, what does Jesus do? He's listening to their conversation, they're, talking, they're so sad because Jesus has died, and Jesus is walking beside them, they don't know who it is, and they're walking along, and he asks these questions. And they were like, Who is this guy? You don't know everything that's just happened. And he's just, you know, trying not to smile. Because he knows very well what has just happened. It was happening to him. And they just didn't understand. And Jesus started to expound to them the law of Moses, the prophets. And when you go further into the story and you go back, to where they ran to after they saw that it was Jesus, then it it, it adds even more. He basically, he covered the whole Old Testament on that walk. Because when Jesus was walking around, wasn't a whole lot of New Testament written, right? So you don't discount what Jesus spent that whole walk talking about. The Old Testament is very important. We need to cherish it. We need to read it. And we need to learn from it. Alright, now, let's start reading 32. Or well, first let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for Wednesday nights that we can come together, open up your holy scriptures, read your word, talk about it, pray about it. And Father, we just ask that the Holy Spirit would help us, would show us the meaning of your word, that this, the, this word would enlighten us. And Father, that the Spirit would convict our souls, that we'd be better able, better equipped to do the things that you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. Just think of of God's doctrine, which he just said, These are what he's going to speak and the words of his mouth, and his doctrine shall drop as rain. Then it says, My speech shall... I said speech. So my speech might not be clear all the time. uh, Speech shall distill as the dew. Distill as the dew. You know that dew is just, it, it will come out of the plant. It's moisture that's in the plant, and dew comes out early in the morning, you got that morning dew, and it clings. It sticks. Uh, it's, it's different than, than rain. It's different than just water. Uh, in fact, uh, golf courses, if there's a real heavy dew, they have, they have to mow, really, really early in the morning before the golfers get there. And if there's a heavy dew on the greens, or even on the fairway, they will turn the sprinkler system on to knock the dew off the grass because straight water is not sticky, and it won't cling to the mower, and it won't clump up. All right, so, my speech shall distill as the dew... I mean, he's talking about his doctrine. He's talking about his his words, and he's comparing it to rain. He's he's comparing it to the dew that just clings. You know, it will cling to you. It will, okay. And then as the small rain upon the tender herb. All right. So we have people who they need. They're, they're new, or they're, a, they're a per, maybe, a, maybe a child, and you have to be careful how you present the gospel to them, the Word of God, when you're preaching it or teaching. So it's better to uh, lightly sprinkle them with things. Okay, look at the next part. And as the showers upon the grass. Way better to get a shower... A, a nice light shower for many hours than a storm that gives you, maybe gives you twice as much or three times as much water, but it doesn't go in the ground, right? So you get a storm, oh, we got two inches of rain out of that storm. Did a quarter of it go in the ground? Maybe not. It came down so fast, so hard that it just ran off, but a shower comes down lightly and stays in place, and actually goes down. So if you have a hard heart, and somebody, a preacher gets all crazy, and he's storming the Word on them, it's going to hit that hard heart and just roll right off. So you need to shower that to where the water gets in and starts to soften the ground. You know, it's really tempting when people aren't getting it to get loud and and get mad and to... And and there are are some people that need that from time to time. But overall, it's way better to just let the Word of God get them. You know, just let it fall down like rain and let it sink in. That's the better way to do it. Three, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. Notice the big R, capital R, he is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are, they are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee? and established thee. So remember the word bought. He bought thee. This is Old Testament. This is Deuteronomy. So what is, what is this bought? Well, we know there's a lot of words in Deuteronomy that could be New Testament words. Now, we, we, we are bought with a price. The shed blood of Jesus bought us. Now, later, later on, I don't know if we'll get to it, but you're going to see where God can sell you. Now, he bought you. If he bought you, he could sell you. So that's that's in this chapter as well. Okay, uh, let's keep moving. Seven. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask, Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. Now, now, this is, we're going to get, it's, I wanted to spend a little more time on it last week. And when we first opened up last week, we were talking about leaders and how we have, Mo, Moses was talking about being 120. And what is important is what you see right here in that verse. It says, remember the days of old, consider the years of the many generations. Ask thy father. why would you ask your father and then it says and he will show thee why because he has seen it all before he's lived through it he's got experience he's got wisdom that's why you would ask him and then it's then thy elders and they will tell thee same thing you, you have you have your father and you have elders and it's good when we have leaders that are older. Right now, our country is trying to make out age to be a bad thing. Because our, our current president is really struggling mentally. I mean, he's, he's got some mental or cognitive, whatever you want to say it, he's got some issues. And he really shouldn't be in that role. And most anybody who pays any attention would would agree to that. But if you go back to uh, Ronald Reagan, his last couple years of his second term, he was exactly the same way. They hit it very well, but he was, and he ended up dying from that, from that disease, uh, dementia. So, as brilliant as he was, he, he, he got the same kind of problems, all right. You can be very young and not be mentally capable of having a job like that. It's not about necessarily the number on your age, it's how you really are. So one 80 year old could be way better off than another 80 year old. So, but we, we don't want to make age a disqualifier. Because we need that as leaders. We need the people who have been around that have the experience. They've already gone through all the hard times. They've experienced the bad times. And they can tell you, don't do that because this is what will happen. And we have a time right now where young people don't want to listen to any of that. They don't want to to learn from their elders. But the Bible tells us that that's the way it should be we should have older people uh, that have been around grandmothers are supposed to be helping and teaching their daughters and and not just their daughters but the young women and they're supposed to be teaching their grandkids well that's another issue that we have going on nowadays is the 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 people who have little grandkids right now uh, I'm talking the parents of these grandkids, their kids. You, there are so many parents that will not even allow grandparents around their kids because they might have a different political view. They, you know, you can you can have uh, a parent who has totally fallen away from from church, the Christian religion. And mom and dad are very much into the religion, you know, being, being a Christian and wanting to follow God's ways. And that, So if you follow God's ways, that, to the new generation, that's bad. You're old-fashioned, and you, you're, you're, you've been told that you hate certain types of people because you follow what the Word of God says. Uh, there's, there's just all kinds of that going on. And it's, it's getting tougher and tougher. You know, when the Bible says that you know, uh, father will be against son and, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and all the, that list of all these people are going to be, one person is going to betray the other even though they're family. So you, you will have close family members. If you stand on the Word and your convictions are with the Word of God, then you're going to have people that will, that will go behind your back, family members who will go behind your back and rat you out and say, it, it could be something like, uh, you know, the Bible says to uh, not spare the rod. You're supposed to spank little, little kids. Well, there are so many people who believe that, or what happens is there's parents who they have to get really, really angry before they would ever spank well, that is wrong. So if that's their mindset, then they're right. So in their mind, they're thinking that anybody would have to get really, really angry before they would spank. Well, that's not biblical chastisement. You, you don't wait till you get angry. You, you correct when they disobey. You don't wait until you've said it three times and they've not done it for that long and your temper starts to flare up well, if that ever happens, then you're not supposed to do that. You, you, don't, you don't do the spanking. But you don't, nobody even wants to speak that out at all because child abuse and throw you in jail. That's, that's, that's where we've come. And we have so many young people who are so disobedient and have no regard for authority. It's so sad. I, I see it in schools. I just see kids taking advantage, knowing that nothing bad is going to happen to them, if they do whatever they want. And the Bible warns us against that. So we should listen to our elders. And we should have elders in place in leadership. All right, verse 8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance... When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people; Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. All right. Now, all right. This next section of scripture, this uh, nine through fourteen. Let's uh, let's read that as a group. So nine through fourteen. Pay pay attention to that, and then I'm going to read something out of uh, Adrian Rogers, what he wrote about it. It's been a long time since I've done that. Okay, for the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the lot of of his inheritance. So Jacob and Israel, you could use either term. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. But even after that, you still hear Jacob throughout Scripture. You hear that name. And then every now and then you'll hear Israel when it's talking about Jacob the person, not the country or the nationality. Ten, he found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kind, so that's cow's milk, and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs, and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats, with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. Pure blood of the grapes. Now, if you open up the Living Translation, the Living Bible, it'll say, sparkling wine. So it loses the blood. Uh, That's a picture. That's a type in picture. Okay, now I'm going to read this little section that's in the Adrian Rogers Legacy Bible. And this is about verses 9 through 14 that we just read. He says, Maybe you just feel like things are going wrong for you. Even for the children of God, the bottom has a way of falling out. Now, what you need to understand is that God may be the one doing that to you. It may be God who is disturbing your life and sending all that upheaval. God says that he does to his people the same thing that a mother eagle does to her baby eagle. For a long time, that baby eagle stays in the nest Feeding on the bits of food the mother catches. Yet the time comes when the eaglet must fend for himself. He must learn to fly. And so the mother eagle coaxes him to use his little wings. But the baby eagle doesn't want to get out of the nest. He has no desire to fly. He doesn't know what flying is. He doesn't know he can fly. So the mother eagle forces the baby eagle out of the nest. Those wings the baby eagle has, has rested under, all right, so he's talking about the mama's wings, those wings the baby eagle has rested under, found security under that he thinks are, are there merely for his protection and comfort and warmth, now seem to be his mortal enemy. So Think about that. That little baby eagle... All he's had so far is just the care of his mother, and those wings have protected him from the rain, protected him when it was cold, and and this mother has been so good to him. And now, this mama eagle is forcing, pushing with her wings, pushing this little baby eagle out of the nest, and any eagle's nest is going to be way high up, I mean very high and it looks like this little baby eagle is being pushed to its death. The mother spreads her uh, great pinions and beats on the nest. As the scripture says, she stirs up the nest, she flutters over it, she puts everything into a pandemonium, and the eaglet cannot stay in the nest. She turns the nest into an upheaval and puts his life into such a consternation that he wants to get out of there and get away from his mother and the relentless beating of her wings. She beats, beats him this way and that way, and he hops out of the nest and begins to fall. The poor eaglet falls, tumbling, flopping, screaming, pleading, and he falls and falls, and he thinks he's falling to the rocks. But the mother eagle knows exactly what she's doing. She spreads her broad wings and flies down and circles him as he falls watching him and and when it looks like all hope is gone, she swoops beneath him and he lands right on her shoulders, right between her wings, and she soars up and deposits the baby eagle right back in the nest. The baby eagle thinks it's all over, but it's not all over because she will do the same thing again and again and he flitters out of the nest and begins to fall screaming and pleading, pleading, frightened. But after a while, he puts out his little wings and he feels something, a new sensation. It's the air beneath him, and he feels the flow of the wind and that buoyancy, and he feels that lift, and the first thing you know, he's flying. It's a new experience. But the only way that the mother eagle could get that little eaglet to fly was to stir up that place of security and comfort and safety that he had and force him out of the nest. Now, if you're experiencing trouble, realize that the Lord himself may be bringing into your life the discipline of divine disturbance. All of us who are Christians like it easy. We don't want any conflict or difficulty. We may resist change. We like it in the nest, don't we? But God has a purpose for disturbing our comfort and security he wants us to discover the wings of faith that are going to bring us to a fuller life. He wants us to know the joys of flying. You know, the, the Bible has all kinds of you know, figures of speech and, and the types and pictures, the similes and the metaphors, uh, and it's just a way of painting a picture. That you can see and pictures are great they're, they're wonderful and you know if I had more time to prepare things you know I would I would like to do more visual type things so maybe one day in the future I'll have better ability to do that but the Word of God has got all kinds of those pictures that help us to retain the things that we are reading and listening to when you're, when you're listening to the Word of God being read, uh, when you're reading it and you see these pictures, uh, this past Sunday we talked a lot about sheep and being in the fold, having a shepherd, and you, you can just imagine a green pasture and sheep being out there and being led to the still waters, um, so the Bible is an amazing book. The way it's written the words that are used and i hope that you uh, will cherish it all right 15. now this word here is just another word for israel and it's not a common word you may not have ever remembered even even seen it and it says but Yeshuram waxed fat and kicked Thou art waxing fat, but that's basically, it's just talking about uh, the nation of Israel. Thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy, with strange gods, with abominations provoked they him to anger. So, any person who is committed if you go after others that will provoke jealousy you know we we feel that and and that's how God feels when we're not totally committed to him and and tell people when you have opportunity to go astray and to follow after other things and there's all kinds of idols that we have today that keep us busy with all kinds of other stuff and gets our minds off of god and he's jealous of that he's very jealous but there are people i think it was uh Allie beth stuckey show yeah it was it was her show she i don't know if y'all know who she is but uh Allie beth stuckey has a podcast i don't really know how she got her beginnings but i recommend it for any, for any woman to, if they want a good podcast to listen to, look her up. She's very highly rated now. She's really moved up. I listened to her show as well. And she was talking about well she had she had question and answers. The reason she's doing the shows that she's doing right now is because she's on maternity leave. So when she got to a certain point, she was going to stop her normal podcast. And in the meantime, while she was waiting for that date to get there, she pre-recorded a whole bunch of episodes so that all the time that she was off on maternity leave, there would be a show that would just keep going. So all the ones that are going on right now are pre-recorded, and they're they're they're, they're good. Now, I don't agree with every little thing. Uh, most of it, I do, and. So the, one, the last one I listened to, it had questions and answers, and she, so people wrote in questions, and she read the questions, and she answered them, and they were talking about uh, idolizing sports. Well, and then somebody said, you know, is it okay to wear your team jersey to Sunday service? And she said, well, you know, if somebody walked into the church and they're wearing a jersey of this professional football team, and later that day, like maybe right after church, that team is playing somebody, and you're walking in, and you're telling everybody where your mind is, and you're coming in saying, all right, I'm here, I'm at church, get this sermon over with, i got to go home and get the food ready, and we got the game coming on, and all that. You know, you're, you're just telling everybody where your heart is by wearing that jersey to church. Now, Is it a sin? I don't know. But yeah, it, so she's really good at explaining those things. But 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 she went past that. She said, "You know what really is the more problem, the bigger the bigger problem." She said, "With your kids and their sports and all those sports, and especially with travel league and all this stuff, and you're out of town and." Your, your excuse is, well, it's my kid, i got to be there, and you will miss church any time if something like that's going on and you run off and do that. She said, that's a bigger problem, and it's happening all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, it is happening. You know, We see it here, and it's a tough thing. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very tough thing because uh, we don't mean any harm about it at all, but what does God think about it? You know, are you putting just things that aren't that important before God? And yeah, it's something to think about. And this is what God is saying right here. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. So we can make a little g-god out of almost anything. There are things in our lives that we will put before God, and he doesn't like it. What was her name, Sean? Her name is Allie Beth Stuckey, and she just had her third child. Very, very strong, um, you know, with uh, choosing life. She will call out diaper companies that put a lot of their profits into Planned Parenthood. And it's like, what? You make a product for little babies and you're supporting the place that kills little babies, that doesn't seem like much sense to me. But she calls all those people out, and, uh, but anyway, pretty good. 17. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, the one and only God, and then it says, to gods, little g-gods, whom they knew not, so, they, so they, uh, they sacrifice unto devils. That's bad. But you put, in, in this going off after little g gods and whatever idol that happens to be, you know, it takes time and money to do a lot of those things. So you're actually sacrificing unto devils, not to God, but to gods whom they knew not, To new gods they came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock, this is big R rock, that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. Now, Where's that? You just heard that recently. Well, if you listen to the podcast, because nobody that's sitting out here was here Sunday. But um, I read that, and that was, was that uh, 59, Isaiah 59? Yeah, Isaiah 59, pretty sure that's where that was. I'm going to have to turn there just to make sure. We just read that in, um, on Sunday, talking about God hiding his face. It said, it said this is 59, Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot say, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but, uh, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you. There it is that he will not hear. And he said, I will hide my face from them, I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. We've been talking a lot about faith on Sundays, going through Hebrews 11. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God, they have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. So what they did to God, God ends up doing to them. And the you know, nation of Israel got very puzzled because God used some very evil people, God actually used them to punish his own children, the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel could could boast that they were better than those other people. And they would be correct in that. But just because you're better doesn't mean you're right with God. If you compare yourself to other people, you need to be comparing yourself to Jesus. And they were surprised that god would use a heathen nation a very very bad pagan nation to to come after them so god we can blame god but it was us that made that decision you know when we come under the condemnation we're we're being punished by god it's because of what we've done not him so we know just by, by this, that verse right there when he says, they have moved me to jealousy, this is 21, with that which is not God, they have provoked me to anger with their vanities and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. So all the Gentiles, you could go to Romans 11, probably, where it explains. There's different places in the New Testament that, that uh, we hear where God was trying to provoke Israel to jealousy and anger by accepting the Gentiles. And that was the reason for it. For a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend my, mine arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust the, the sword without, or you know, the sword outside, and the terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. I said I would scatter them into corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Now, we, And we've seen this happen. You know, we, we're, we're at the time where we look back on history and we see where all this stuff has come to pass. You know, as you read through the rest of the Old Testament, you'll see it play out. So he's just showing us right here when they're making this huge transition from the wilderness into the promised land that this is what's going to happen. The innocent suffer along with the people who do wrong. You know, people will say, well I, I'm doing it right, I'm doing it right. Well you're gonna suffer right along with the people who are doing it wrong because you're part of that group, you're part of that nation. So when, when the Babylonians show up and they take the southern kingdom and they take all kinds of people prisoner, you know there was people like uh, Daniel in the mix. And you read everything you can about Daniel in the Bible, you will never see one word that shows that he did anything wrong. Now we know he's a man, we know that he came into the world a sinner, and there was things that he did that were sinful, but we don't see it as we read about him. But because his nation turned against God, he was led captive just like all the rest of them even though there was nothing bad said about him. He did, he did not escape the punishment, even though he was a very good person. He believed God, he trusted in God, and his, his God was very dear to him, but he still was taken captive. Uh, he, he would never have a family. He would not have a wife or a family. He lost all the things. He was taken out of his land so, you know, we, we can think about how precious our little piece of property is and how much it gives us pleasure in this life that we have our own place uh, where we can, we can marry and have children and grandchildren and how wonderful that is. And Daniel didn't get any of that. He lost all of that and spent 70 years of his life in that captivity. And his whole life was dedicated in keeping God's name in a totally different place in captivity. So what he did was great when he went there. He still, even though everything was taken away from him, he still did what was right when he was in a place where he could have done whatever he wanted to do. And pretty much everybody else, they were doing whatever they wanted to do. There was only a, just a small handful, a very small remnant of people who wouldn't bow down to the false gods to the point where they would die rather than bow down to the false gods. Very few, when it's all said and done, are true to God. Very few. So we need to take this and apply it to us and um, know that these words weren't just for the nation of Israel, but it's for our learning today as well. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, where was I at? Did I read 26? Scattering them, scattering them unto the corners. So basically we'll be at 27 next week and uh, uh, may go back over some of what we just did. But I knew that this chapter was going to take um, more than one night, because it's a pretty big chapter. It shouldn't take three weeks like another chapter did, but it's going to take a little time. But I, I, I wanted to make sure that I talked a little bit about the, the it's, it's good for the, for the older people to be leaders, and we should look to the wisdom that's offered by our elders. It's very important. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your your wonderful words. Father, I pray that we would be a people who cling to your ways. Father, that we would want to be a people that represents you well. And Father, even though we may suffer the consequences of The actions of others in our nation that father that even though we go through we will go through some hard times father we may not benefit or we may lose the things that are rightfully ours to enjoy while we're on this earth that even though we we suffer those things that we would stay true to you and that we will represent you well no matter where we go thank you father in Christ, let me pray, amen.